Welcome to AMDG. I'm Mike Jordan-Lasky. Last month, Matt Wooters, a Jesuit brother from the Midwest province, decided he was going to try and swim six miles for a birthday fundraiser, benefiting the immigration legal aid group, RISACE. The only problem was Matt only had a few weeks to train and it's not like he was doing long distance swims all the time. But as brother Matt is wont to do, he just went for it. His effort struck a chord and the fundraiser blew up on social media. He had an original goal of $1,000, but ran right past that right away and ended up raising over $23,000 for Rises. I chatted with Matt to ask him about the swim, his thoughts on why he thinks the fundraiser did so well, and how his experience working with immigrant families has affected his view of our political discourse around migration. Matt was also the first participant in a new segment on the show that we're calling 20 Questions, so stay tuned for that at the end of the episode. Before we get started, I have one favor to ask. As we continue to grow here at AMDG, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a nice review on iTunes, subscribe to the show wherever you listen, and tell your friends and family about it. Thanks in advance for that, and thanks for joining us. Well, brother Matt Wooters, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. How you doing? Hey, Mike. It's great to be here. Uh, so I wanted to have you on because I saw this big fundraiser you were doing that was popping around uh, Jesuit social media over the past few weeks. Uh, you're going to do a huge swim. You're going to raise money for an organization called RISACE, which does pro bono legal work uh, near the U.S.-Mexico border for, for folks who are caught up in our immigration system. Uh, and the whole thing just really took off. Uh, so I just wanted to like hear about that. You've now completed the swim. You've made it through safely. Uh, come out on the other side. Uh, so yeah, tell tell me a little bit about that. Where did this idea come from? Walk me through that uh, that whole process. Sure. This whole thing happened. It just started about two weeks ago, which is pretty wild looking back. Uh, every year on my birthday, I like to do a fundraiser. For the past few years, it's been for the students that I have been working with and for in Milwaukee. Uh, they come from a Latino context, and so this year I was wondering how, how what, I, what I should do for my birthday. And, and, and this stuff in the news about the border was getting increasingly violent and increasingly horrific. So I was just wondering, you know, kind of how can I connect where I'm at to the reality? So there's a tradition of young Jesuits swimming the chain of lakes here in central Wisconsin. Um, one way is about three miles. And I, I had done that swim before. So this year I decided to do back and forth to do six miles um, and to raise money for those caught up in the detention camps and families who are separated at the border and children who are locked up in cages. So that I think the idea came to me or began to bubble up on July 14th. <laughs> and it is now early August and we've done the whole thing and raised over $23,000. So it's wow, pretty that's amazing. Wild. <laughs> Um, yeah, let's let's go through some of the different elements that work here. So first, I want to talk to you about this swimming in particular. So it sounds like you're a swimmer. You've had some background in that if you've done the three miles. Uh, but if you only had a couple of weeks, were you like training to get ready for this? It's a pretty monster swim. <laughs> yeah, I did not train as well as I wish I had. That being said, the swim went great. Um, my sister-in-law reminded me that people train for something like this for like a year, and I did it in about 10 days. So uh, yeah, I am a swimmer. I'm comfortable swimming. I've never swam that far. So I was doing a bit of training, um, and I'd have some Jesuits come with me on a kayak and kind of accompany me on little practice swims from 
various distances from a mile to three. So, yeah. So, but no more than three. So you're jumping in for six. Do you do you have that support staff with you? Do you have people who are going along in case you uh, needed to stop? Yeah, I did. So we had kind of a, a support crew, a pontoon boat with two Jesuits on it and a guy in a kayak who was next to me. And uh, it was great. It, it went really well. I, I did it uh, much faster than I expected, which is kind of a shock to me. Uh, I was expecting to do it uh, in about five and a half hours and I finished it in under four hours. So I was kind of filled with the spirit and the, the movement and the fundraiser and the, and the energy around this event, I think really kicked me into higher gear. Yeah, so there had been this, this incredible outpouring of support. Uh, it looked like your original goal for for fundraising was around was it a thousand dollars, and to end up with over twenty three thousand. What happened? Yeah, I have no idea. Um, I think I I didn't expect it to be this big. Obviously, I mean, my goal I I was uncertain that we would get a thousand dollars in two weeks. I thought you know everyone pitching in twenty bucks here and there, we could maybe get to a thousand dollars. I think it tapped into into a real desire and a real hunger that a lot of people are feeling towards the situation at the border um, as Catholics and as people of faith. I think there's a great um, stirring in us that this is wrong, the way we are treating those who are poor and seeking refuge here and taking their children from them and um, people dying in, in detention. Like I, th- I think it strikes something very core to our humanity. And I think me being a space to offer like, Hey, I'm going to do something about it. Do you guys want to help me? I think the floodgates kind of opened at that point. Yeah, for sure. So again, they raised money for this organization, Rices, which I just know a little bit about, but uh, how did you come to choosing them among the, uh, you know, a lot of great organizations uh, down on the Southern border? So I, that actually came up first. So when I was Googling kind of in my own frustration and anger and pain, um, was like, what can I do? What can we do? What can anyone do? And I was Googling, um, you know, best ways to help people at the border and, and their name kept coming up as like some of the most reputable and hardest working group working directly with people in detention, asylum seekers and refugees. And so it became clear to me after scoping them out a little bit, um, that they were the real deal and the money goes not to a middle group. It goes right to the migrants. So, so you, you post on social media, st- starts to be some response. You kind of up the goal, uh, again, seeing this, this kind of support come, come around. Uh, and then it looked like you're even, I, I was checking out Rice's fundraiser page. You're at the top for like the highest individual donor, of course, pulling together all the people who donated through your page, but it looked like you really had a pretty big impact on, you know, their day-to-day work, uh, down there in Texas. Yeah, I think so. I, I got an email, a really nice email from their, one of their vice presidents and, kind of acknowledging, I think the growth of, of the, um, fundraiser. Yeah. I, it's, it's, it's a wild thing, Mike. It, I didn't plan it. Right. It's like, this is very much of God and from God and the spirit was at work. And if I could have been a vehicle to, to get some people to collectively do something, I, I'm really grateful for that. Uh, this is so little to do with me. I mean, I, I was the conduit for this, but I was just the one swimming, you know, there, there were, there were over 400 individual donors and besides just the people donating, the people following my posts and the people who are really interested in the situation at the border or getting increasingly interested. So 
it was, it, it turned into a really incredible community of compassion. Yeah, no, really beautiful thing. And for me, it struck me as something like social media can be used for good from time to time, right? I mean, it's easy to remember all the, the bad stuff there, but it really did seem like people kind of coming together, as you said, to support and to learn. And I think too, I just, you know, inspired by just, you know, sometimes it can feel like, what do we even do for a problem that seems yeah. so big and beyond our control? Um, and in some ways that that's true. But for you, I think it was just like doing something, you know, kind of bold and challenging challenging, maybe to grab people's attention, but then using that, as you're saying, not to direct the attention onto yourself, but to use it uh, to direct people's attention toward uh, the cause and to the work of Rice Days, which um, I thought was was really cool. And, and maybe, again, can, hopefully can inspire some uh, copycats, right? People who do something bold, uh, not for their own gain, but for, you know, for the good of others. Yeah, absolutely. I think I've had a few people ask me like, how did you do this? Or how can I do this? <laughs> and my response is just like, do it. Like, that's how you do it. You just do it. Um, now that's, I, I'm rather impulsive and I'm not great at like planning long-term. <laughs> so the idea that like in two weeks, I like, I wouldn't maybe <laughs> suggest the six mile swim if you're not ready for it. Uh, but yeah, do something. I think that's just like the big takeaway is that like apathy is not from God as we know in the spiritual exercises. So like, go against that and do something, do anything. Sure. So you're swimming in, in central Wisconsin, which as you said, uh, so tell us a little bit about wh where you are. What was the, the setting for, uh, for the big swim? Sure. So, um, right outside of Wapaka, Wisconsin, there's a chain of lakes. So it's kind of a misnomer. It's one body of water. Um, and they're connected. These various lakes are connected and it, I, I'm working up here all summer. So it's the Jesuit kind of vacation place. So it's the place for guys to come and rest. Um, before going back to work for the year. And I'm on staff here to cook and clean for my fellow Jesuits. So as guys kind of roll through, it's kind of like, as I told the checkout girl at the grocery store who was eyeing up like the 45 pounds of lunch meat I was buying like three times a week, <laughs> I told her I run a bed and breakfast. So it's kind of like a Jesuit bed and breakfast. So that's where I've been working all summer. So you have a bunch of, of guys there at any given time. And so the, the day of the swim, which was uh, recently, was, was it July 31st itself August or was second. it August? August 2nd. Yeah. Okay. So that day you have, you have people out supporting you like kind of there at the jump. Like, uh, was it like the big talk of the, uh, the community that day? Yeah, there was a, well, it was so early in the morning. So I should mention these men were on vacation. So no one really wanted to be there <laughs> at five in the morning. Um, my friends were good to me and the ones who came in the boats and, um, two or three guys came and saw me off. Um, I think the speed with which I swam was a little bit faster than any of us expected. So I think people were ready to come and cheer me at the end. And I ended up finishing before many of them were awake. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so, so it was a big, big talk in the community and guys were really proud of me and I was really grateful for their support. Sure. So I want to go into your mind in the water when you're there kind of, kind of going along. It's like, again, a good amount of time to just be there with your, your thoughts. And I've heard swimmers talk about that or long distance runners, you know, you get this chance to kind of just shut your mind off. And what, what were you thinking about? Were you praying? Like, what was that experience like of actually being on that long of a swim? Yeah, it's, it's very uh, solitary because even though there's people with you in boats, you're the one with your face in the water for four hours. Um, I would say I, I was really just moved by, I was thinking a lot about my students. Uh, for the past few years, I've been the social worker at Nativity Jesuit, a school we run on the south side of Milwaukee. It's a K-8 school. Um, and all of the families come from a Latino context. So I was very much thinking of them and carrying them um, and swimming for them. 
a community that I love deeply. And so knowing how deeply they've been affected by by the immigration situation in the United States, that, that this isn't a problem that's out in the ether or like on the news, these are affecting students and parents that I love. And so carrying them, praying with them, praying for them. Um, yeah, I think I, I go into kind of a flow state, you know, when people are running, they say that or working or doing music or something. So there's a certain level where you forget your, you forget your surroundings almost, you forget what you're worried about, you forget your nervousness and you just kind of are in the zone. Um, that is definitely the case for me with swimming and swimming long distances. And so uh, some combination of prayerfulness, excitement, and just just grinding it out was, was, was my mental state in the swim. So you're mentioning again, the, the students and families who largely you know, inspired you. Uh, are you going back to the, the school then in the fall? Are you still stationed there? What, what, where are you in your, uh, your ministry career? So I am in between stages of Jesuit formation. I finished at Nativity and I am moving next week to Berkeley, California to do a theology degree. So I think I was definitely inspired through almost sadness of leaving them too, <laughs> that like I wanted to do something even though I no longer work there, uh, that that they are they are guiding much of my formation going forward. And so this swim was a big part of, in a way for me to reconnect or stay connected with them, even though I'm not there anymore, sure. if that makes sense. What, what are some of the things you learned from, you know, being in that community and getting to know the families? What are some of the things, you know, folks are struggling with right now, you know, the debate about immigration and, and uh, folks who are trying to seek a better life. It just is so political. It's, you know, in the headlines and, and on TV, and on social media. But I think too often, like we don't get a sense of like, these are real people whose lives we're, we're talking about here. Um, what are some of the things you learned about uh, the, the stories of, of families who are seeking better life for their uh, themselves here in this country? Uh, yeah, I think just that, Mike. I think no one migrates unless they have to. I, I think there's this fallacy that this is some sort of leisure choice of like, well, you shouldn't have crossed the border. I think uh, American foreign policy is rather short-sighted as to why people are leaving and the impact that our government historically has had in Central Central America and Latin America. So, yeah, so that's the big picture. The, the, the minutia is that these are families who care about their children, full stop. I like, I don't, I don't think we, we as Americans on the North side of the border need to say much more than that. There's a, there's a conversation of resources and how to do this and security and all that. And I'm less interested in that conversation. I'm, I'm more interested that these are mothers with children who want to better the lives of their children. Um, and frankly, I think that's why my fundraiser took off. I think across political parties, this resonated with donors. This resonated with people that were like, yeah, this is wrong. I, if I were in that situation, I would be doing that. And we, we need to be treating those migrating with compassion. Um, the church is very clear on how we should respond to those, you know, seeking exile. Um, and I, I feel very strongly about this because this is rooted in the relationships of the 260 students that I know and love and have been with these past few years and their families. So, um, yeah, I think as soon as we start to politicize a problem, we take the people out of it. And I don't think that, at least for me, is how I want to make any choices. I mean, I'm rooted in relationships and I, I think I think Jesus was pretty rooted in relationships. Um, and so I think if I had a takeaway, if I had to share something, it would be like, <laughs> you love your family, you love your kids, so do other people. Like, 
there's enough to go around here. So you describe how those those families would kind of inspire your formation going forward. Is that it's being connected with um, immigrant communities and, and families through Jesuit ministry, something you hope to do again in the future? Most certainly. Um, formally and informally, I, I think that this isn't – we Jesuits work where, there, where there's the greatest need. And so as far as I'm concerned, children who are detained right now are of the greatest need. So yeah, my, my, my formation going forward will be, will be formed by the relationships I, I carry. Um, there are a group of mothers uh, from Nativity who I run pretty much anything by <laughs> in my life or in my formation, and I value their wisdom as much, if not more, than my Jesuit superiors because they, it is a lived reality that is truth-telling. I want to uh, turn back the clock a little bit as we're thinking about your formation going forward to look back to how this started for you. Uh, What brought you to the Society of Jesus? Great question. Um, It should be noted that I was born on the feast day of St. Ignatius, so maybe there's something predestined here. (laughs) Okay, Um, you and Harry Potter. Yeah, exactly, me and Harry Potter. Um, I went to a Jesuit high school. I went to Georgetown Prep in suburban Maryland outside in Washington, D.C., uh, I went to John Carroll University in Cleveland. After that, I did the Jesuit Volunteer Corps in Belize for two years, um, where I lived and worked in community, and it was a beautiful experience. And I was really thinking about the Jesuits, definitely in college, along with kind of having a normal college experience. I was in a fraternity. I studied abroad. I was my high school mas- I was a college mascot. <laughs> um and it was my time in Belize that really clarified who I want to be going forward and what do I value and how do I live that. So after that, I joined the Midwest province of the Jesuits. And that was, I think I'm starting my eighth year in the Jesuits. So that was kind of my journey to the front door. So you are a Jesuit brother, uh, which mm-hmm. distinguishes you from Jesuit father. So can you just tell us a little bit about what it means to be a Jesuit brother and why you feel called to that particular uh, track within the society? Sure. So the easiest way to describe it is it's like a boy nun. <laughs> so everyone <laughs> tends to have an idea of what a nun is. They're like, oh, they teach, they work with the poor, they whatever, work in hospitals, and but they don't do mass. So same for me. So I'm a full Jesuit, SJ after my name, same vows, poverty, chastity, and obedience. Um, I chose to be a brother. I was called to be a brother uh, because it's how I see myself living this out um, in relationship on a horizontal level as your brother rather than as a priest. Um, I've been really inspired by some great Jesuits in the Midwest province, uh, some really great Jesuit brothers, and they lived with a certain amount of joy that I really identify with. Not to say priests don't, but there is a downward mobility that comes with being a brother that people can be really honest and be themselves around you. Uh, I think, Mike, you and I have all had the experience of being in a setting where if there's a priest there, you maybe watch your language or you feel like you have to just share part of yourself. And, And that comes from an unhealthy place of clericalism, but that is the reality of the church in America. And so I I liked how brothers, people didn't act that way around them. And and I think people don't act that way around me either. So accompanying people and walking with people um, side by side is kind of how I view being what a brother is. 
So you mentioned uh, the the joy of being a Jesuit brother, being part of Jesuit community. Uh, you shared a photo on Facebook that I love that we can, uh, if it's okay with you, steal and put up on our website. Uh, that was uh, you with a bunch of, uh, maybe all the guys who were there, you know, dozens of, of Jesuits kind of looked like they were having like a really good time up in Wapaka. Um, so what what else about what about the Jesuit community might people not know, like community life? Uh, you again, describe the the joy. Uh, what else about it keeps you going um, eight years now into it? Yeah. Um, I think people frequently wonder like if the, like I'm happy and I don't know. I don't That sounds so funny to me when I hear that people are like, Oh, you're still into this, huh? And it's like, I can't imagine asking someone who was married that <laughs> like, Oh, this is, you're still, you're still going to do this, huh? I'm like, well, yeah, I'm <laughs> eight years into marriage. Um, yeah. Community is why I joined the Jesuits. I wasn't really interested in, a situation that didn't involve community. I come from a big family and I was in a fraternity in college and this sense of lived in community with, with the Jesuit volunteer corps. So sharing life with people, sharing your greatest joys and your greatest hurts is kind of, for me, the thing that keeps me going. Um, maybe other Jesuits would describe that differently, but for me, my closest friends in the world are Jesuits. And I didn't expect that when I joined, I just kind of thought like, eh, we're all doing this thing and see how it goes. Um, but in fact, the the companionship is 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 one of the most important parts for me um, as a Jesuit. Well, that's awesome. Well, brother Matt, I, at the point in the program, where I want to try something new here. I want to do a segment. We're going to get to know you a little bit better with some rapid fire questions. I have twenty of them. We will call this uh, twenty questions, which is one of my favorite games to play, and my wife's least favorite game to play. So I need to find more people <laughs> to play twenty questions with. It's not like standard twenty questions. It's just going to be quick, get to know you things. We're going to run through those. Before I do that, though, I have a twenty-first question, which we can use as a prelude. You mentioned you were your college mascot. Uh, can you tell me a little bit <laughs> yeah. about what what was that like? What was that involved? So I am a proud John Carroll Blue Streak, um, but the John Carroll Blue Streaks because that's kind of a, an amorphous uh, <laughs> uh, figure. Uh, so the mascot was the wolf from the Loyal Seal. So uh, Lobo was the mascot. So I was wearing a big wolf suit at football games and basketball games, and just like dancing around doing the meeting kids, shaking hands, dancing around being super obnoxious. Yeah, yeah, just tr- distracting the other team. Yeah, right, just getting um, yeah. What that's was kind of, Go ahead. <laughs> Nothing. I was like, I was like, there's some correlations to my vocation that I didn't realize until just now. But right. <laughs> getting people excited about being a, yeah, being a cheerleader for stuff. Sure. <laughs> Were there any secrets from that 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 go into making a good mascot that I might not uh, naturally think of? Um, hydrate because it's a very sweaty ordeal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could have guessed that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right. Awesome. Well, yeah, no, for sure. I think the energy that we saw displayed uh, in that fundraiser effort and uh, in that swim, you know, that same energy probably fueled you as the Lobo. So yeah, uh, okay. there's, there's video somewhere. We can find video of uh, you as Lobo. Got to help uh, me. Share that too. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. So 20 questions, no discussion about these questions. I'm just going sure. to ask them. You're going to answer and we will breeze right through them. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. Number one, what are you reading? Barbarian Days by William Finnegan. Number two, what is the best gift you have ever received? I got a green jacket last year. I wear it all the time. Number three, your favorite saint? Saint Alberto Hurtado. Number four, your first job? Lifeguard. Number five, two weeks in Paris or 10 minutes on the moon? 10 minutes on the moon. Number six, least favorite chore? 
Anything involving logistics or long-term planning. Number seven, if you could uninvent one thing, what would it be? The atom bomb. Number eight, favorite sound? Waves crashing. Number nine, favorite hymn? Um, will you let me be your servant? Number 10, favorite zoo animal? Polar bear. Number 11, what superpower would you most want to have? Um, the ability to cook food by looking at it. Number 12, what's the best thing you cook? Omelets. Number 13, if you were ruler of your own country, what would be the first law you would introduce? Everything's closed on Sundays for people to relax and hang out with their families. Number 14, what current or past music group would you most want to join? Jackson 5. Number 15, what is one thing you will never do again? An academic all-nighter. Number 16, you have the chance to meet Pope Francis one-on-one, but you only get one sentence. What do you say? Um, thank you, and how can I help you? Number 17, what could you give a 45-minute presentation on with no preparation? Mm, why Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette is the greatest album ever. <laughs> Number 18, what's one thing you want to try you haven't gotten around to yet? The Camino in Spain. Number 19, what dumb accomplishment are you most proud of? I've lost and refound my wallet about 47 times this summer. Number 20, what makes you feel alive? Living with my feet at the crossroads of joy and gratitude. All right. Well, Brother Matt Wooters, you have successfully completed the 20 questions. And uh, as a pilot person, we will send you a, a prize pack uh, for doing that. Thank <laughs> you. So look out for that. Um, thank you again for coming on. I had a lot of fun chatting. Thank you for your fundraiser, for your joy, for all your work and blessings on uh, the rest of your summer and your, uh, your studies. Thanks so much, Mike. It was great to be with you. AMDG is a production of the Jesuit Conference of Canada and the United States and recorded at our headquarters in Washington, D.C. The show is edited by Marcus Bleach. Our theme music is by Kevin Lasky. The Jesuit Conference communications team is Marcus Bleach, Doris Sump, Becky Sindelar, and me. Connect with the Jesuits online at jesuits.org. We're on Twitter at Jesuit News, Instagram at We Are the Jesuits, and facebook.com slash Jesuits. If you or someone you know is interested in discerning a vocation to join the Jesuits, visit us at beajesuit.org. Drop us an email with questions or comments at media at Jesuits.org. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as St. Ignatius of Loyola may or may not have said, go and set the world on fire.